I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. With all that's going on in the world, specifically with our economy, it's easy to be fed up. And speaking of Fed, Sean, do you understand the role of our Federal Reserve? Oh, when I look at my money in my pocket, sometimes I, I, I get the idea that they're around for a reason, you know. But other than the money in my pocket, I'm not too sure, especially in these times. So, Matt, guess what I did? I brought one of my good friend's wife, who is a senior position for the Federal Reserve. Man, I got it like that, bro. Oh, wow. I, I, I brought her on the show. I actually know her husband from many carnivals ago. And I didn't even know. I was like, Lion, your wife is all that? I said, man, you're a lucky brother. Not only does she love money, she's around it all the time. So, Miss Anne-Marie Will Straker, welcome to Two Black Guys welcome. with Good Credit. Oh. Yay! Well, thank you. Happy, happy to be here. Well, good, to ha- good to have you. Just to let everybody know, too, Anne-Marie also sits on our board for our nonprofit Financially Clean. So she's worked with us in the financial literacy space for a number of years now. A really mm-hmm. good person, a really good human being, a really good spirit. All right. So I, I have to say, before anything gets started, I have to give a disclaimer because I'm required to. Okay. Um, so any views expressed here are those of mine. Um, they do not necessarily reflect the position of the New York Fed or the Federal Reserve System. So just making sure we get that out up front. Understood. Well, that being said, as we're starting this off, Anne-Marie, can you just explain to us and for our listeners who may not be clear, what is the Fed or the Federal Reserve and what does it do? Uh, so um, the Fed is kind of the Uber Bank of the U.S. That's as basic as I think I can get, right? So it's it's a, called a bank, but it's not really a bank. It has responsibilities for uh, three main functions. Three main functions being conduct monetary policy. So that's about making sure that the economy is stable, um, prices are stable, employment uh, is um, at uh, levels that uh, support the uh, economy. Uh, it has responsibility for um, maintaining uh, payment systems. So, you know, for example, if 
uh, a bank needs to pay money to another bank. So in the wholesale space, the Federal Reserve System has the what they call real-time gross settlement system where all payment flows from large institution wholesale payment functions through. So that's um, one of its functions. And then its third main function is in the supervision of banks. So that's where banks come into play. The Federal Reserve has responsibility for supervising all banks um, within the U.S., all do uh, U.S. domicile banks and foreign banks with branches within the United States. So the Federal Reserve has the responsibility to supervise those institutions. So your um, big brother. So their big brother, if you want to put it in those terms. The other thing is the Federal Reserve is not itself a government institution. The Federal Reserve is kind of a public private sector institution. The government parts of the Federal Reserve uh, has to do with the board. So the board of governors, the, the structure of the Federal Reserve system is there is a board of governors there are 12 reserve banks across the United States, and then there is the FOMC, which is the Federal Open Market Committee that actually sets the monetary policy directive. You said the HNIC? FOMC. So wait, I have a question. So, so regardless of if it's a if it's a Republican administration, a Democratic administration, that doesn't impact the way the Fed operates. The Federal Reserve banks, the 12 banks are not government. The Board of Governors who oversees the Federal Reserve System, that is appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. So that's the government or the public sector portion of the Federal Reserve System. The reserve banks, all 12 reserve banks are independent and have board of directors who are responsible for kind of the private sector of the Federal Reserve System. And then we have the FOMC, which is made up of presidents of the reserve banks that sets monetary policy directives. So does every time a new, a new party comes in, do they change the the government, the governance system that you just mentioned, or do they get rid of them and put in their people, or does it always stay consistent throughout different political parties? It depends on terms. So if they're, you know, if you kind of think about what happened with um, Janet Yellen um, when uh, uh, President uh, Trump came into play, um, her term was up, and so there was an opportunity for President Trump to, you know, select either her staying on or someone else as the chair of the Federal Reserve. President Obama inherited the person who was there because their term had not completed, so they stayed on for some time and then was renewed under President Obama uh, for additional years until Janet Yellen came on. So um, it depends on their term. And what is, a, what is the typical term for a governor? <sighs> I, I believe, I have to check on that, but I believe it's th uh, three years. Okay. As the well, lady of the facts, I will check that out. I'll get back to you. Then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have a, a question regarding this, you know, the current state of the world with the, the pandemic and, and the, the, the economy and people being out of work and, and just everything kind of being upended and in turmoil. Like what, how does, how does the Fed help to stabilize or how does the Fed, what's the Fed's role in dealing with the current situation or, or in a, a big picture? Like how, how do you guys connect to what's going on? 
so um, given that our function is to ensure financial market stability, the pandemic, it's a health crisis, right? It's not a financial crisis, but it has flown into, it has seeped in to um, the financial um, ecosystem. Because I would say more like typhoon, like big wave right. in, not seeped in. It just, it buried cities type deal. At this point, right? So no one expected that you would have kind of this extended period of folks, you know, small business, um, folks not being able to work, not being able to go into office, those who are already on, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they, you know, they have their own business or they are independent workers who, you know, rely on having to go into the office to be able to get paid. No one kind of expected that we'd have had this kind of extended period of time where folks were not going to have wages. So uh, as you saw with the Fed, the Fed actually announced a slew acronyms of funding credit liquidity facilities to help support consumers, businesses, communities, states across the U.S. as we kind of go through this this process. Um, just wanted to jump in here real quick. This is your the seven members of the Board of Governors. Yes. Um, it says a full term is 14 years. And the and chair? One term and then the, chair the, the chairman and the vice chairman of the board, uh-huh. they board serve for four years. Yes, so three to four years. So the, okay. the, the actual board members, they can, yeah, they have the longer term, but for the chair who is uh, appointed and um, the vice chair appointed by the president um, and confirmed by the Senate, it's uh, three to four years. You had mentioned that you, you know, you've created all these um, um, different ways of supporting uh, the country right now that's, you know, there that where people are being hit, you know, astronomically. A lot of people think that the Fed just prints the money, though. That's not the case, that, that they just create money to support uh, these They kind of do. <laughs> so these facilities where the Fed is on the side of buying uh, assets that are being either produced or um created or actually, you know, sold because they're already in the secondary market, we pay for that, right? It's not, you know, the cash has to go out the door, but that cash is coming from somewhere. So we, we actually create our, create the cash, which is why our balance sheet, you know, you hear a lot of discussions about the, the Fed's balance sheet, you know, doubling, tripling, uh, it's all through the creation. It's, it's creation of, of 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 cash. Does the Fed tell the public what what's on the balance sheet? Is that available to the public? It is. So the the balance sheet is publicly available every Thursday. I think it's it's, it's issued from the board uh, on Wednesdays, and then on Thursdays it's uh, uh, publicly available. I guess you have never have to worry about getting paid. <laughs> you know, if they can't pay. It's gonna print more money. And pay you. No, you never have to worry so about getting there's a, a difference there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's what I was getting at. They don't just print um, money. They so don't just print we, money we actually, versus create money. Uh, again, remember I talk about the private part of the Fed, public part of the Fed. So the private part of the Fed, you know, we we have a balance sheet. We have assets. We um, collect, you know, interest, coupons, whatever that is. You know, 
we cover costs, you know, overhead from those income generating assets and the remainder of whatever is made goes to the treasury. So that goes back to the treasury. we don't print money to pay us. We actually, the assets of the Federal Reserve System pays us and the addition, anything over your overhead, your cost recovery goes to the U.S. Treasury. So you guys are a for-profit organization? We have a board of directors. So one could say we are quasi, we tend to say quasi government. I, I don't think we consider ourselves uh, not for profit. Um, we consider ourselves a public institution, even though we structurally, there is a private, the reserve banks themselves are private with board of directors. We're a gotcha. public institution. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And what what are the assets when you mentioned the, our assets that the, the Fed has? So um, our balance sheet of uh, over like three trillion dollars of uh, uh, treasury uh, and um, mortgage-backed security uh, assets. Our operation of the real-time growth settlement system, which is a cost recovery business, which is again the payment system of large institutions um, with, through wholesale payment, banks paying to banks um, through uh, the RTGS system. There's a cost recovery on that. Um, we have a a, a pretty small, but you know, relatively sizable. Small compared to our domestic or our U.S. dollar-denominated assets, we have a small foreign portfolio for foreign intervention and foreign um, activity in in foreign currency of around, I think it's thirty or forty billion dollars. But from all of those activities, trade activities, it, it's the those assets that help to 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 provide the overhead. Well, the Fed is fairly active, man. I thought they were just in this room, just printing out money on a machine and looking at the gold in the basement. Oh, no. That's uh-huh. not you guys, are, you guys are fairly active out there in the market doing oh, things. We are. I didn't even know you're part of mortgage-backed securities. For those that don't understand, that means, you know, your mortgage for your home is, is bundled on Wall Street with a bunch of other like-minded mortgages. And it looks like the Federal Reserve is involved in purchasing groups of those mortgages that you pay interest on. And those interests is what the profit is that they'll be making off your mortgage. Correct, Henry? Uh, so uh, agencies, not so not private mortgages. So we are only um, as part of the financial crisis, um, we were heavily um, participating in the agency MBS market. Um, clearly, you know, given during the financial crisis, that's what we were talking about, right? The 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 mortgage um, or housing uh, sector. Uh, so we have um, a. Uh, a pretty sizable uh, MBS uh, portfolio, agency MBS portfolio um, of, you know, as you said, you know, Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, um, well, not Ginny, so much Fannie, Freddie on the MBS side. And as part of the current pandemic, we have also gone into the commercial um, uh, agency uh, MBS space as well, where we've also started, uh, started to buy some of those within the portfolio. Again, all all public information. So, um, what what about interest rates? What what what's the Fed's role with interest rates? That's kind of the the core of of um, the monetary policy implementation, right? So, uh, as part of monetary policy in- implementation, it's usually around targeting um, an interest rate. So, the Fed funds rate is the target rate um, that the FOMC, the Federal um, Open Market Committee. Um, as I talked about before, in terms of the, the structure of the Fed between the Board of Governors, the Reserve Banks, and then the FOMC, the FOMC sets um, target interest rates. And what the 
Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve Bank, and specifically New York Reserve Bank, has a responsibility to do is to affect activities or trades that will move interest rate, short-term interest rate, closer to that Fed funds target level. And the way that we do that is through uh, repo operations. So what repo operations are is, is pretty much a buy and sell of treasury securities in a short term. So you've, you've bought a treasury or sold a treasury for overnight or for a week with the expectation to get that security back at interest rates above, you know, at interest rate that has been agreed on for the transaction. So the way that we move the interest rates toward the FOMC's target is to either provide securities. So we are actually selling the securities to pull in cash if we want to drain and move interest rates closer to the target. Um, let's say the interest rates are 1% and the target is 1.5, you want to have less liquidity in the market. So what the Fed will do is sell through a repo, temporary repo operation, sell treasury securities against cash. So you're draining cash, you're taking liquidity from the market. And so the market overall then starts to function with higher rates because there's less liquidity. So it starts to move it towards the 1.5. The opposite occurs when you want to move the interest rate down if the target is to move it down. So if we're at 1.5 and you want to get to 1, the Fed, through temporary operations usually, will then buy Treasury securities temporarily. So it's you know overnight, a week, whatever the terms are, will buy securities, put cash out in the market, so the creating dollars, if you will, put cash out in the market. So now there is more liquidity in the market. And so that starts to drive interest rates lower. So that's why Which I is guess what you're seeing now. What's so happening? That's where we're at zero now because of the whole influx of money that's been put out there in the market, which means yes. there's a, a lot of liquidity, a lot of cash. Cash really and truly is what you're saying isn't as valuable anymore as it once would because there's so much of it out there, U.S. currency. That's well, what's driving down interest rates to zero. We had started to raise interest rates. And then um, when the pandemic happened and, you know, even before that, we had kind of stopped raising interest rates and then started to stay st steady. And then the pandemic happened and the FOMC announced, you know, back to the zero to 0.25 bound range bound for uh, Fed funds target. So that's how you see the trending um, uh, towards zero, because again, we're putting a lot of cash um, out in the market, a lot of liquidity. Okay, well, let me interject here for a minute, because like mm -hmm. how the Fed controls and prints money, two black guys, the way we print money is we go to commercial break. So we're going to have to take a quick break, make a little bit of that money, and we'll be right back as we learn more about the Fed as we are fed up with some of the things going on in the world. So we're learning how the Fed works today. So stay tuned. Two black guys with good credit. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, it's all about the fact that we're fed up, but we're learning about the Fed on Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We have a special guest. Anne-Marie, Sean's friend who works for the Federal Reserve. She's been schooling us. I got it in us. places, Matt. High yeah, rollers. You, you do know. I'm sure you shocked me today. You you, you pulled a very special guest, and I'm, I'm impressed. Um, actually, I had one quick question for you, Anne-Marie. In terms of paper money and cash, like, do you think 
that that's, you know, I know you guys print money. They always talk about how you guys can just keep printing money. But do you actually think printed money is going away? I I honestly don't know. I, I think there's elements of society that will always want and expect, like, you know, currency, hard currency. But we've we've shifted I think quite quite a lot towards not having physical cash, right? Like digital, so we're, digital. We're using digital uh, means, you know, credit cards. So, you know, similar to the credit card movement that came in or debit cards that came in and, you know, cash kind of, you know, physical cash went away. Um, there, there are probably less and less institutions or stores or places that uh, will only take cash. Um, so I think, over time, could that be the case? I mean, Bitcoin, you know, we, you know, one, you know, the whole fintech space uh, is one that's out there that folks kind of thought would then end up being um, the replacement for for hard currency. Um, the central bank itself isn't coming out with a central bank currency, um, digital currency. There are some central banks across the globe that you know are fiddling with this idea of uh, central bank digital uh, currency, but for the U.S. at least, I, 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 you know, my own personal view is I don't see currencies go, you know, hard currency completely annihilated, at least my in, in, in my my lifetime. But we'll my see. belief is that when it comes to this, that that's more going to be driven by the markets more like more than the Fed. Like if, 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 if we're going to be cash a society, I don't think the Fed is just going to kind of see what's happening and, and kind of react and manage it and kind of referee it. But a cash society, a, a cash society to me is more driven by the public more, more than more than the Federal Reserve. But I have a question for you, Amory. Here's one of my questions: um, Do you think what's happening today, if you look back since you've been with the bank 29 years, and you went through the whole uh, banking crisis in 2008, you know, from what I read, this is like very unique. Or do you see any similarities to what happened in the 2008 banking crisis compared to what's happening today with the pandemic? Are there lessons to be learned from 2008? Um, so, yeah, they're different. Um, so you know, from, from my perspective, there are different things here than 2008 in the financial crisis, right? So financial crisis was driven by, you know, um, banks or, you know, Wall Street or mortgage brokers you know, that, you know, behaved badly, um, that caused a trickle-down effect uh, um, across, you know, the the, the viability of, uh, of banking institutions. So, you know, your Bear Stearns, your um, you know, Merrill Lynch, um, having that eroded, the Lehman Brothers, uh, the, you know, eroded and have a trickle-down impact across um, the banking sector is completely for me, different than where we are today. Today, it's not about a crisis of the, the banking system. Um, it's, it's a health crisis that is completely engulfed the whole economic, uh, economic ecosystem um, because folks aren't able to make money. <laughs> um, they can't do the things that they do. They, they, they have viable institutions, but they can't do the things they do because folks can't be there to do it. You know, they can't open their, 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 their stores. They can't open 
there are restaurants, they, you know, banks can still operate. And, and that they're playing a bigger role, I think, in this um, crisis than we had in 2008. 2008, well, my personal opinion, there was a lot of trying to support the, the banks so that right. the banks would get to a place to support mainstream. Here, we actually look to the banks to help support with the, the, the programs that you know the, the fiscal side is doing between Treasury, SBA, the PPP, and the things that the Federal Reserve helps support by taking in those assets, um, those loans that the banks are making, you know, incentivizing the banks to make loans to Main Street um, and package those loans for the Fed to purchase in these different programs is a reverse support, if you will, for the, the economy. Well, I'll tell you this, Anne-Marie, I was around, I was actually in the building for 9-11. I was around for 2008 buying and selling real estate, and now I'm around for 2020 through this pandemic. And those two incidents ain't got nothing on this pandemic, because yeah. I never see the government giving away money in the thousands to people. It's like the whole country's on government assistance. So mm -hmm. to me, and I've talked to a lot of senior people, people that I met, older men in their 60s and 70s, I say, you see anything worse? They just shake their head and say, nope. never. So I think this one trumps them all. No, no pun intended. This one I, trumps I, them all. I, I agree. I agree. Well, um, well is, 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 the printing, is the printing of funds a good thing in these times? And, and can the Fed continue to print indefinitely? So um, not a question I can answer okay. um, directly. Um, I would say that, you know, if you take the example of the financial crisis, you know, you heard the same comments, right? You heard the same, there's a lot of printing of money. Um, this is, uh, you know, potentially inflationary liquidity. You know, what is the plan for what we term a liftoff? Meaning, you know, how do we revert back to uh, getting ourselves in a place where, you know, inflation isn't going to be the big concern after all of this has taken place. Um, it's the same point. And at that point, we grew the balance sheet for, you know, folks were pointing to the balance sheet and how much we've grown the balance sheet. Here, we're back to growing the balance sheet in the same way. So, I, I you know, I expect that the same questions will come up. You know, does that mean um, that we won't see um, some, uh, some direction that suggests that at some point, you know, in the near term, we can start to see rates starting to go back up and then you can start to, you know, drain liquidity from the market. Um, I have absolutely no clue. I have, I have no idea if that's uh, next year, uh, is that a two, three years from now, is that at the end of this year after, the, you know, if, if we get to some stability within the pandemic, I have no clue. But that is the same, I think it's the same dialogue that we're probably going to hear um, once things settle down about, okay, well, so now how do we get back? How do we start to shrink the balance sheet again and move to a place where we can start to uh, increase interest rates? And what role does the Fed play in like reducing unemployment? The same role it plays in um, price stability, inflation. It's, it's, it's all bundled. It's part of monetary policy implementation. So um, those go together, you know, 
prices, wages, unemployment, as you're looking at the, um, you know, one of our mandate, which is uh, inflation um, targeting, you know, 2%. So how, how does the 0% interest rate set by the Fed, how does that benefit the consumer? Uh, uh, in a non-pandemic, it really does benefit them, right? <laughs> because right. they can get loans, they can um, get a mortgage at very low Money rates. Cheap. I mean, yeah. there's a whole lot of things. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, it's a, it's probably a little bit different. It, it's just like it makes credit cheaper um, for the consumer. So you don't have to, you know, these loans that the banks are providing through these programs, you know, once things settle, they are not paying uh, astronomical rates back um, uh, for these loans. So in the current environment, that is probably the benefit. Um, once things stabilize, uh, I, you know, and to the extent that rates continue to stay low, you know, clearly it benefits um, almost every uh, consumer, the individual, because they can, you know, get loans at really low rates for, you know, small business, uh, um, for student loans, for, you know, to buy a house, you know, assuming rates stay as low and folks go back to employ. Uh, so employment becomes a big part of that because folks need to be employed to be able to uh, get loans for for these things. So that that employment, uh, getting back to some employment level that is sustainable, um, uh, would be important under a zero, you know, kind of a zero interest rate environment um, uh, to benefit the consumers. So we know this is helping out big business. All we read about, you know, the Shake Shacks, the juniors of this world. Do you think this is, in your opinion, trickling down to the small business person like myself or the average consumer? Do you think they're getting the benefit of this or this more like let's make let's make big business access this and hopefully it'll trickle down to the small business and consumer? So like you take that uh, the small <laughs> the, the small business consumer, I mean, the PPP SBA, um, that's uh, that's a lot on the fiscal side. So, you know, that the, the Treasury or the government has provided just a slew of funding. Now, I hear the same things that you hear, right, about uh, who actually got these loans, applied and got these loans, you know, where they're, you know, business that are really already financially, you know, sound, um, who went to the window to get those dollars when they probably really didn't need it. And smaller uh, companies and, quite frankly, black and brown businesses who um, you said it. really you need it are not there. Right? Guys with good credit. Yes, you opened yeah. up the door, girl. Yes, that was what I was leading to. I was trying to be politically correct. Black yeah, and but brown I, I are mean, getting the same access. Now, so yeah, so you we we all heard that. Um, so I think um, for uh, the Treasury and um, small business. Um, uh, association, you know, those government entities, it's kind of important that, um, you know, they have a way of policing and understanding how that works. From the Fed side, our, again, our programs are primarily to incentivize those big businesses to lend to the smaller businesses and consumers and, you know, the, the main street individual by telling them, you know, if you do that, you can package what you've loaned to, you know, Tom, John, Mary, and, you know, small dress shop into 
uh, uh, securitized package and we fed will buy it and we'll do that through the towels. We'll, we'll buy the, the loans that you package or we'll use the loans that you've packaged for PPP. You bank, you know, you, you've lent it to the, the, the small business, the individual person. We fed through the PPPLF, which is the Paycheck Protection Program. We fed, we'll take that loan. We will, we will take it as a collateral and give you a loan bank so that you are lending it forward. So they, gotcha. they actually have to have the collateral of a PPP for us to then give them funds um, for that loan, which they're very likely then passing on uh, through P, uh, PPP to you know small business and, and, and consumers. So that's where the Fed sits um, to incentivize those you know financial institutions to uh, continue the flow of credit to the the mom and pops. And what happens if businesses don't? Like if they don't, if they if they're bad actors, or if we're not seeing the fair equal access to funds, like like what is there any ramifications, consequences to that? Or I guess does the Fed play a regulatory role? Right. So I I, I would assume that uh, the way that most of the programs are um, structured, it's probably difficult for you to come to the program not having given credit to mainstream. So for example, you know, the TALF program, I'm talking the Fed program specifically, the PPP and SBA loans, those are again, function through the uh, government It's on the fiscal side. Uh, I have no idea, um, you know, how they, they're, they're thinking or choosing to monitor how that those funds are being distributed. Um, you know, and again, we talked about what we saw with, you know, some companies that probably shouldn't have come for those came and you know they didn't know that or how whatever happened there on the fed side you know things like um the municipal credit program or the money market credit facility or the the the, the term asset lending facility all of those require that what you're bringing or what we're buying are things that reflect you having given monies to the mainstream so um TALF, is the term asset back program. Those asset backs are made up of student loans, credit card loans, SBA loans, and those are packaged into an asset back security that the Fed then buys. If you don't, if, if you don't have those as part of that package of ABS, you're not coming to us. So that's one way where we can at least know that the you know institutions are actually uh, lending to Got it. To, to the market right we have a, a couple more questions and then we're going to let you go um how does the globalization of financial markets affect the ability of the fed to promote financial stability I, so the dollar is for the most part considered um the reserve currency um you know of the world for now um, and so for now again for now, yeah, for now. Um, yeah, I, yeah, we can, I, I don't want to speculate on whether or not it's for now or it will be forever. Um, if, if I'm a betting woman, I'll say it's a forever thing. Um, you know, so it's, it, so what happens in the U S quite often has impact across the globe. 
um, because I, I think for me, you know, the U.S. is this like the central place of, um, you know, dollar activities, U.S. assets, US, you know, U.S. treasuries are like the reserve asset held across the globe. Right. Um, so for the, and again, that's the, the fiscal side of things where I don't see, at least in the near term, a, 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 a situation where the the, the U.S. economy isn't the kind of the benchmark for kind of what you see happen across um, the rest of the world. The rest of the world looks um, to the U.S. Uh, 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 and the U.S. monetary policy type implementation as a gauge of things that, um, you know, could impact their own economy, given how uh, how how much the dollar is is the uh, reserve currency uh, across the world. Anne-Marie, usually I don't take notes in these in, in these podcasts that we do, but man, you have, you have my pen and paper out. There's so much information that you've passed on today to our listeners. I hope everybody has grasped it all. If you don't, Google some of the terms and get used because this is really important information. But I have one question for you because, you know, People like news outlets just throw on the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve all over the place, and they're assuming that the audience knows everything about it and understands everything about it. What would you think is the most misconception? When you watch the news, you just cringe and be like, that's not it. Like, what is the biggest misconception that you think the general public has of the Federal Reserve? So I, I, uh, I think the, the, the probably biggest one is that it, it believes that it's, the, it's part of the government, that it is... Um, politically um, affiliated at some in some way or the other, and it's not right. Um, so we talked about kind of structurally what it is. Um, the other one, and I think it came out uh, a lot through the financial crisis, is this idea that you know the Fed is all about working with the with Wall Street and the big banks, and uh, it, it's not what we do. Our our role is financial stability, price stability for the country. <laughs> it's not for big business only. It's not for banks only. It's for the country. Um, and, and that's what we do. That's monetary policy. It's not monetary policy for big banks. It's not monetary policy for Wall Street. It's monetary policy for the country. Um, and that is, I think, one of the biggest misconceptions um, of the Fed, especially after um, the crisis, the financial crisis. Well, Anne-Marie, thank you. You've given us a lot of great information. Thank you. We're, we're, we're going to have to bring you back maybe for a, a part two with some, if we have more questions for you. But uh, we, want, we all just want to say thanks and uh, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anne-Marie, being a woman of color and mm -hmm. the position that you are, all praises do. I have so much respect for you and what you do and just keep it going. And hopefully our listeners, and especially when people are listening to you today, can be inspired by, you know, what you know and what you do, man. I just appreciate you. Yeah. Tell, your, tell your husband this pandemic it's is true. over. I'll see him on the way to Panama. Well, yeah, you have to you have to throw in there. It's not just a woman of color, a Caribbean woman of color, by the way. Hey, hey. hey. Right. <laughs> right. He has an amazing, amazing story. So one day we'll have to bring you back on. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you. Everybody. All right. Well, 
let's everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back and wrap up this episode of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. So keep it locked. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, it was all about being fed up. We learned all about the Fed, the Federal Reserve. We had a wonderful guest, Anne-Marie. Thanks to Sean. We appreciate you bringing your friend, Sean. Thank you. No problem. No problem, Matt. (laughs) You know, like I said, I'm usually not a man to make notes, but this this podcast, this show, actually, it was it was a lot to learn, man. I, I, well, I learned a ton of I learned a ton of things, and it was interesting. Well, tell us what what did you learn? Why don't you break that down? Give us a takeaway. Well, you know, I think one of the key learnings is is like really the Fed's role is just being more like a, a referee. They're not really involved in politically in any way, form, and they're really just there to try to form some kind of regulation. They're not politically involved in any way, despite what you know you may see on TV and the, and the misleading things that we see on the news. Like they're really just trying to help stabilize whatever market is thrown their way. Okay. D, and any any takeaway or anything you gleaned from this episode, Dion? I guess it was more of the mechanics of the way they work. Um, really kind of breaking down, you know, uh, printing versus creating money. Um, and really that is being created through buying and selling assets. So that was really clarifying for me. Um, And then that's why at this point, with all the money that's being flooded into the market through the through this through the buying. Right. So through buying the securities, that's how the money is flowing into the market. And because there's so much money in the market now, that's why we're at a zero percent rate, which for some who they don't know, they don't know. That's I don't believe it's ever been done before. So I thought that was interesting. Well, for me. One of the things that I found interesting was just the apolitical status that the Fed has. Like, I wasn't sure, like, you know, depending upon 
whether it's a Republican administration, a Democratic administration, um, I was not aware of how much sway that they had. So it was interesting to hear an insider speak on the fact that basically they are apolitical. They don't really play in that, you know, not obviously there's the president uh, appoints the chairman. So there's, you know, there the politics does play into it, but their role, it seems like it's, it's not really a political role at all. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I agree. Great show. Well, great show. let's wrap this puppy up. Dion, do you have any, uh, Energy. Our, our producer says more, more fire. All right. Well, <laughs> wow. We're, we're weighed down with so much information, producer. But I will say this: if you want to learn more, please check out thefederalreserve.gov because we know we hit you with a lot. Anna Marie was, you know, breaking it down as best she could. But if you want to get more information, that's federalreserve.gov. And um, again, if you and if you want to come to us with your questions, feel free. Uh, email us at tbgwgc at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five star review so others can find us, like uh, Moreno Suave, who said, I'm glad to have come across wait, wait, wait. Rico Suave? What was that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I <laughs> thought I think it's his I think it's his sister, Moreno. <laughs> Moreno Suave. She said, I'm glad to have come across this jewel of information. Keep up the great work. I will continue to support and spread the word. Well, thank you, Mr. or Ms. Suave. And remember, a good manager attracts resources. I'm gonna leave you with that one. And my name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats and the cold hard facts and I'm out. Thank you, Dion. And again, we wanna thank our great guest and I, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I'm Matt Smith, one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Tune in next week for another great show and I'm out. I'm Sean, the better half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And as I always say, every show, keep your money where it belongs, people, in your damn pocket and I'm out. With good credit. The Two Black Guys with Good Credit podcast is produced by Matt Smith and Arlington Forbes. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.